This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to episode 12, where we're talking mercenaries, countdowns, a backstory to a major character, and to Ian Marchant. Hello, Ian. Hello. 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 Um, I thought just like Power Play, um, this story, Countdown, it's a, really, it's a tale of two stories, um, both yeah, with interesting yeah, characters. That's it. It's sort of A and B. I mean, very, very delineated A and B storylines in this one. It's sort of different locations, isn't it? Different um, locations, yet, um, as you say, two completely different characters, two yep. different plot lines happening simultaneously. And just like what we were saying in Power Play, that's rather a shame because when you're with one part of the story, you're wondering what's happening in the other part. And when you go to that one, you're wondering what's happening back in that one. Yeah, it's two, two, two really good storylines that could have had an episode of, on their own. Mm. Um, and, I'd, yeah, it, it's a... You notice with Blake Seven that they they do some really good storylines, but they they skip over them so quickly, mm. which you know you know they wouldn't do that now if they you know if they ever do blink bring Blake's Seven back or other programs. You, you storylines are more stretched out. But, do you think uh, it's yeah, this, a case? This... Yeah, no, I was going to say. Do, do you think it's a case of more like you know these days? I mean, each season was only thirteen episodes. Now they're usually like about twenty yeah. or something like that. So you've got more room to breathe and manoeuvre, haven't you? And you could stretch out multiple part stories. Yeah, I think I think it was just a, a different era for making television, and and I I don't know. I'm trying to think of any programs, even something like Survivors, which ostensibly was an overarching storyline was was still individual episodes and I'm, I'm not sure whether because the, the only things that sort of had ongoing storylines were like the the soaps wasn't it that yes, yes. Where, you, where you would you would put something out over two or three weeks whether i don't know did they think that like uh the the fans for this sort of show the viewers wouldn't be able to process a, an ongoing long storyline maybe it was a case of you know the the way things were done back then was they were making standalone stories so anyone can drop in at any part during most of the um, the, the, the season's run and, you know, have these little st- standalone stories and then you don't have to worry about that so much. Yeah, it could be. I know with Doctor Who, um, they used to say that the, the, the first episode of each block, because Doctor Who's obviously in, like, blocks of two, four, six episodes to make one storyline. And they used to always say that the, the first episode used to get the most viewing figures and then it would gradually tail off and people would come in on episode three and then just wait for the new story to be advertised and, and rewatch at that point. So perhaps this was, you know, a, a way of having it that you're only waiting a week. If you don't like this week's storyline, you can watch next week. Yeah, it, it it could be that. Um, but something that Blake Seven did, um, you know, 
in the first season towards the end i mean yeah you had lots of standalone stories but then you know um right at the end there you had uh, deliverance and orac so you've got two yeah. stories you, you, you know carrying the same uh, story forward here in season two really i mean the the episode that was before countdown was hostage which is a standalone story yeah here we've got countdown and then after that, you've got Voice from the Past, Gambit, The Keeper, Star One. And, and it, it starts accelerating towards the climax of the season, doesn't it? And that's when the stories do start to be uh, linked more. Yeah, I mean, we get we get mention of Star One in this one, don't we? And, and Blake's still looking for where... I mean, he finds out it's called Star One in this one. Um, so th- there's little throwaway lines, but there's not... There's no other than the main characters, there's no continuation of story. There's no characters going on, um, which, which Blake seven seemed to suffer from a bit more than other programs. Like they would introduce a really, you know, really good characters, never hear from them again. And how many, how many times have we said even on this program that wouldn't this person make a great continuing villain or wouldn't this person make a great, no, 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 that's set up and, and you know, and that's the last you see of them. Yeah. I I think now it would be they would they would plan out at least a season, probably several seasons, and you would get characters coming in and out and viewing again because it it creates a a more coherent world. Um, and that is, I mean, my my one thing with Blake Seven is it's it's horrendously inconsistent mm. in pretty much everything it does. So. You characters, you, you don't get the same characters that come back. I know you're not a key, you're not sort of a fan of of the everyone's connected to everyone else style of storyline, which I agree it can go too far like that. But it would be nice. I mean, like I say, we see Travis and Seven. It'd be nice to see some recurring secondary officers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know whether this is down to because the BBC at the time, if you when the director came in to do an individual story, they would sort of rely on their stock troop of people yeah. they wanted to use. But it's it's just a shame, especially after, like, with um, Doctor Who in the unit years, where they tried to be a bit more mm. coherent in the, 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 the sort of background characters. Never, not that successful, but it's just a shame. It'd be nice to, to, to meet other recurring characters i think especially especially with this really good episode we're talking about today there you know there there's characters on it that i would have loved to have seen more of that's my that was going to be my next yeah. question do you think it would have been nice to have seen del grant came back in season three yeah. or season four even yeah i i would have liked to have him instead of taron mm. in season three you know have him turn up as the mercenary it would um, be nice. I, I tell you what would have been nice yeah. is in star one when they're you know facing off or at the beginning of uh the second season, uh, the next season, is to have um, Del Grant in his own ship, you know, going yeah. against the aliens. And just, just something over the communications, you know, saying, Avon, it's me, I'm going in as well. You didn't even have to see him, just just know that, you know, he's still out there or something. Yeah, or, you know, or like Avalon, just, yes. you know, mentioned in the, in the battle at the end. Yeah, it's... It's, I mean, it's not a, you know, I mean, it's not. It doesn't kill the episode. It doesn't spoil the enjoyment. But perhaps we're just looking at it with modern eyes. I, I think back then we would have 
been perfectly happy with Countdown here, and uh, yeah. we wouldn't have been thinking like this. This is this is like forty years of being a fan and 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 uh, wishing. Yeah. <laughs> what and, ifs and like you say, and te- stuff. television has changed. Television, the way their television programs are made, the way we watch television has changed. You know, mm. I mean, but nothing like said, it was made to watch, then completely sort of gone, isn't it? It's yes, still, they there, were ephemeral. No, yeah, there's no there's no market for for old episodes or you know continuity in that particular way because mm. if you if you were unless you were you're one of these um, sort of sad fanboys that recorded the sound every week, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, you if if you if you knew if you watched like an episode of the beginning of the season. And then it was completely contradicted at the end of the season. You might well go, oh, I must have misremembered that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you could get away with it. Now you would, you, there would be flame wars on the internet, wouldn't they? Where I he think was this wearing is... a different coloured jumper in episode twelve. It's exactly what you said there. You know, TV's made differently, films yeah. are made differently, and I wonder if part of it is the fact that everything now is once it's out there, people can watch it again and again and again, and can rip something apart. In, on social media and and tarnish the reputation of things just through troll, trolling. You yeah, there's, there's there's very much once something's released, it no longer is the property of the people that made it. It becomes right. the property of the fans, isn't it? And like that, I think that's why there's other than the fact that the changes are bloody awful in Star Wars when George Lucas kept tinkering. I think a lot of that was because it's sort of no, no, it's ours. Mm. It's not yours anymore. How dare you, you released it into <laughs> the world? Yeah. What was um, that phrase? George Lucas raped my childhood. Do you remember yeah, that phrase? It's did, like, yeah. good lord. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It goes. It, I. I can understand the, the emotion involved. I don't understand people, like, saying it's ruined their lives and that. It's. It's a TV. You know, it's a film. It's a TV program. They're yeah. not, greatly important. It's um, not affecting your life. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, hopefully, no one's died because of it, but. I can understand the you do if you invest a lot of time in a program or you know not necessarily the film the same but it, you sort of there's a proprietorial mm. feeling towards it isn't it and I think that's why I mean we we discussed this when we were talking about Doctor Who on effectively speaking that that it's almost once when it's something's live when something's happening the changes that are made the things that happen it, it affects you deeply but separated from a sort a point of time it no longer is it hasn't got that you know i can remember being mortified by when a bad doctor who story was on but now you look back on them and because mm. you've got that that that's in the past it's yeah. different it's the um, distance of time isn't it yeah yeah def- definitely and it I, I can see why people get worked up on it but it uh, the grand scheme of things it doesn't don't really matter, does it? I, really matter. I can, like you say with Doctor Who, I can remember with Blake Seven. I can remember yeah. being thoroughly embarrassed each week watching season four of Blake Seven. Now, all these years later, I don't mind it at all. I look back and I understand now because yeah. now we have, you know, background information and what have you. And I'm far more um, forgiving of season yeah. four, even though some of them are just piles of doo doo. Um, I'm not as embarrassed by it as I used to be. And it's not the current state. I know Blake Seven's finished, but it's not the current 
it's it, yeah, it's not it's not an open wound, is it? The wounds no. heal over, and you can now you can scratch all you want at it. It's not going to hurt it. But at the time, yeah, watching season four, you every week you was like, oh, this is back to the back to where oh no, it's. Because you don't know it's it's happening live for you there, and and you know I'm sure you were like me. You you wanted another season three or a season two or yeah. a season one. You wanted to go back to the glory times, and it wasn't happening week in week out. And you had no way of knowing when you got to the end of season four. Is it ever going to improve? Is it going to get worse? Yeah. Is there going to be a season five? What is that going to be like? Blah blah blah. You just didn't know. Now we know, and uh, now yeah. we understand it. Yeah, it's it's very much bookended, isn't it? You don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to worry so much now. No. But what, right. what episode are we doing today? Again? <laughs> Why do we keep doing about season four? We're talking season yeah. two, aren't we? Countdown. We so as I say, just like power play, we'll do what we did there. We'll focus on the two characters separately. Today's Del yes. Grant. We're going to save uh, Provine for another day and another episode all right yeah he he deserves a chat on his own i think doesn't he He does he does he does all right so countdown starts i always like it in blake seven when we're dropped right into an ongoing story and um here we have the havoc stunt team boy they're earning their pay this week aren't they i i was i was watching it and what sprung to my mind was the um, Batley Townswoman Guild reenactment of Pearl Harbor from Monty <laughs> Python? I all you needed was the handbags. Yeah, it was as a rebellion. <laughs> they were. I mean, it was, there's some great stunts in this opening sequence, and there's a lot of pyrotechnics going off. But as a whole, it's a terrible, terrible fight. They're doing stuff that, like, I, I, I'm not a particularly military-minded person, but give me one of them guns and. I could have stopped them all just by hiding behind a corner. You know, it's it's amazing it's very, how you mentioned Mon- Monty Python in the same way as yeah that the, the old ladies battling out in the field there. The camera is fixed in one position. The camera yeah, never moves, and the people just come in from left and right and have the fight, don't they? It's exactly yeah. what happened to Monty Python. <laughs> You're right, and I ne- yeah I never tweaked it that it's yeah the camera's locked off and people run in and out of sh- of frame. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is what. It's, yeah, it's 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 the other thing that that I just laughed out loud is at one point the rebels they not say throw the word. two hand grenades Go and then on. run at them. And if, why? Surely they, they would have taught you not to run at your own hand grenades you've just thrown. I've got my notes here. They throw grenades and then run towards them. But yeah. that's not the word I thought you was going to say. I thought you was going to say the word trampoline. Yes, there's Wait. a lot of trampoline work. Bouncy <laughs> floors in this uh, base, isn't there? There's very yeah. bouncy floors. Yeah. Oh, it, it it is. I mean, bless them. They're giving it their all. Uh, but it is all a little bit silly. Um, made worse by the shoddy walls. Did you see all the, uh, the state of those yeah. walls? They're far worse than what we were saying about last week in Project Avalon. Yeah. These. Uh, and again, it's all on film. So because there's obviously so many pyrotechnics, they've gone over to Elstree to do these filming which is again weird why they lock the camera off mm. why why would they perhaps they just didn't have enough, enough time to do it but yeah the walls are in a terrible terrible state but i suppose um we don't know what other battles have gone on in this base it might you know they might be pre ones oh, i suppose previous. yes well yeah we know the fighting's been going on for some time so yeah i suppose we can uh we can excuse it in that way um but we cut to provine and his men 
Now, as I say, we're not going to really focus on Provine because we're going to talk about him later. And also, I want to hold off on the discussion. I mean, they look great. These three guys they in do. the command room, they look great. But I think it's episode 15. We're going to be doing a special episode on the Federation Troopers. Oh, um, so we'll, we'll we'll be looking more into just what they're wearing and the differences between yep. um, them and, say, Trooper Parr. Okay. Um, but Provine, Provine tells them to arm the device. Um, and he and his second go off, and the third one has to leave it, it, was it four minutes? And they'll see him at the ship. They're dropping bombs down the air shafts now. Computer analysis indicates a 93% probability that the Albions will overwhelm our defences and take control of the entire complex. On the evidence of that projection, we have no alternative. We must activate. But sir, Tronus, lock the door. Sir? Lock the door! There's nothing else we can do, sir. It means the death of millions. The audience have always known the penalty for insurrection. Now they must pay the cost. But, sir, there's still a 7% possibility we can contain the situation. Couldn't we wait a little longer, sir? No. Now then, Tronus, you know what to do. I give you four minutes to reach the launch area. Then I activate. I then follow without delay. Right. We'll see you at the ship. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... It's, a, it's quite a little convoluted plan they've got here, isn't it? It, it mm. almost, it's almost, you know, it's going to go wrong. It's not, you know, especially the um, the guard they leave behind to activate the switch. He's very nonchalant, isn't he? Considering he is. people are firing and it making explosions outside his door. He's sort of, yeah, I got plenty of time. I've now, I've, I've not got to set off for two minutes, so I'll have a little think. And all right, it's time to set off. I'll go and get my helmet first. Uh, yeah, he's he's laid back. He's I very... think he's on he's on that drug again, isn't he? Like the, <laughs> what, the, the stuff London coming through guys. the vents. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I was watching him in the background when the second is talking to Provine about, you know, um, the chances and everything. He's not bothered by it at all, even when Provine yeah. says, you know, activate the device, you know? Yeah, it's he's... Um... He's, he's he's not worrying at all, is he? It's not like, I'm going to blow up a planet. It's like, ah, press yeah. this button. It is. It's that blooming suppressant, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, but we go outside, we go back to the fighting, and as we were saying, some of it okay, some of it's very stagey. You've got trampoline work. You've got the guy coming in left to right, flying through the air. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is all, all, all very silly. Um, very fake punching as well, I yeah. noticed. Um, yeah, somebody would swing their fist within about like two feet of a person and they'd fall over melodramatically yeah. again if it was if it was multiple camera work you couldn't disguise a fake punch you have to be filming it from the right angle don't you yeah. and this just does what one stunt works another one won't because it's no. like you say they just fix the camera yeah yeah but the rebels they break into the command room they shoot that guy the nonchalant yeah. guy I wonder if he noticed. He was so laid back. He might. Have, oh, he, he, yeah. It was his own fault, wasn't it? It's like <laughs> there's there's rebels at the door. Will I keep my weapon to hand? No. Put it in its rack. There's a place <laughs> for everything. Yeah. But he's he's, he's not quite dead time. though. He's is he because he manages yeah. to activate the device. Very bloody, I thought, for this time of night on a Monday night. Yeah, you know, yeah, all this um... blood coming out of his mouth. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't know whether the weapon did that or he just fell over and he, you know, caught his lip or something. <laughs> All right, well, the three rebels that come into the room, you've got Calder, who's who's the boss, his second-in-command called Raleigh. I don't know if she's 
you know, related. There's so to many water. jokes that we shouldn't be making. No, I know, and I just went into the first one there. Um, yeah. and and there he is, our focus character, Del Grant, and they're all wearing these nifty gas masks. <laughs> it started. I always thought they were bluffing. I never thought that when it actually came to it, they'd really activate. You better believe it, Corder. Believe it and do something fast. That thing is ticking away the lives of everybody on this planet. I say we have less than an hour. Riley, get Vetna up here. I want to know exactly what we're up against. And then put out a general call for anybody who can give help. Right away. And when you've done that, get this place cleaned up, get a casualty report and get some Federation prisoners for questioning. And while I'm doing all that, what are you going to do? Worry. That's what I'm going to do. Worry. You've got good cause. Sorry, Corder. I won you a battle. I lost you a war. Yeah. Any idea and what they're the, made from, Ian? I don't know. They look like they look like dust filter masks or something like that. But they were they were a strange shape. I mean, it could be that it's something completely different, and they just they're wearing. You know, it could be something off a car or something. But they uh, they, they they look alright. The the masks. The balaclavas, not so much. Uh, no, balaclavas. I, I they don't do anybody any favors, do they? No, I'm always I'm always reminded of uh, Basildon and Bond, you know, Russ Abbott's <laughs> character. He, he he was like a James Bond ripoff uh, or, or Mickey Take, but he always wore a balaclava e- everywhere. Wore yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I was reminded of this. It's and especially because they're 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 not just off the shelf balaclavas. They've obviously been made to match the the, the coats. Yeah, they're green um, balaclavas, yeah. which are even worse. Yeah, most um, I suppose most most rebellions you you don't imagine them handing out uniforms for, do you? No, and I, I tell you what, it it does it really doesn't suit old Tom there, Tom Chadbourne. Oh. Um, he's got quite a round face anyway, and you know yeah. that balaclava's kind of like squishing his face together a bit, isn't it? Yeah, he All doesn't right. look particularly uh, threatening wearing it, does he? Uh, no, no. But uh, the countdown has started. Um, yes. A, a, a thousand-digit countdown. Do you know, um, this, this gave me perplexions watching this it, episode, trying to work out what those digits mean. Because, this is my next yeah. point. It, it, oh. Time is screwed with this, isn't it? Because yeah. not only does the clicking not match the numbers changing, um, but they say they've got an hour, okay? So, you know, a thousand-digit countdown is going to reach zero in an hour. Now, I did some maths for this, you know, um, yep. and there are 3,600 seconds in an hour, all right? Right. To have a countdown of 1,000 in an hour, the display would have to change every 16.666 reoccurring seconds. I guess that's not so dramatic if you have to wait, you know, a quarter of a second, a, a minute for it to change. Yeah, but we see it changing, and it's almost per second, isn't it? Yes, yes. So it's a thousand seconds, yeah. Yeah. which is not an hour. No. Also, later on, when the, uh, Avon says we've got twenty-four whatever's left, that's not twenty-four seconds because that would end very quickly. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on. It's it's a it's like a bond counter, isn't it? Actually, it remind. I remember it reminded me while I was watching it of you know the end of Goldfinger, mm. where Bond is chained to that bomb. Yes, that, yeah. It looked like that, sort of with with different things you got to do to get into it, and you know, in in like one of those nineteen seventies uh, record deck cabinets that it's in. Um, but I like it. I like it because you know this is a real digital 
for once yes. display. When you go to season four and you see countdowns on the Scorpio when it's a computer graphic, they look awful. But this looks yeah. real because it is real. Yeah, it looks it looks uh, like you say it looks physical. It's mm. it's got a presence there that it wouldn't have if it was a little CSO'd computer screen. Mm. Right. Well, the Liberator's up there. Avon's got info on Albion, and Blake says that they're looking for someone called Provine, who he hopes might have information on where Central has been moved to. And Callie has also picked up transmission that there's fighting going on down on the planet. So that's them arrived. Our heroes have arrived. Um, yeah, they, they do mention as well, I was, um, they do mention that Albion was, uh, was uh, it got its freedom in the last century of the old calendar. Yeah, so presumably we, about 300 yeah. years ago then. Yeah, because we, we were sort of um, a few episodes back, seems so long ago, we were talking about the, the old calendar and, that, and we were sort of saying, where, you know, when did these colonies happen? So even in the old calendar, there was a, there was a, this, you know, this, this planet is presumably quite away from Earth. So there must, yeah, the, 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 what became the Federation must have been existing quite a bit before the Federation took over. Yeah, it's like an embryonic Topper. form of yeah. what will become yeah. the Federation. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the planet, a guy by the name of Ventner says he might be able to um, disarm the device, um, but he can't. It just hiccups. I don't know. I just don't know. Some of the circuitry is fairly basic, that I understand. The rest? Oh, come on, Ventner, there must be something you can do. This is life and death. It must be stopped. There is one thing. Might just work. Might. I can't be sure. If I'm wrong, we won't be here to worry. Well, wait. Could it detonate? I don't know. There's always that risk. Everything we've done so far has been risk. We're getting very close to nothing to lose. We've got to chance it. Um, and it says that the time is now 722. That's dropped quite a bit since we last yeah. saw the countdown. Or not a lot. It, again, depends <laughs> on what these things are. Um, Calder, the boss, did you notice that Calder and, and Raleigh and uh, Del Tarrant, they've got gold pips on their uh, turtlenecks? I, ha I must admit, I didn't notice. Which makes yeah, sense. It's nice, nice to finally see some rank. Well, do you remember, that's what we were saying about Clegg. Yeah. Why couldn't have Clegg just have, have had a gold yeah. pip and Tarrant have two pips or something like that? This is clearly, you know, some sort of rank thing. And, uh, you know, they had it here. You know, yeah. in, you, in you season two, why not have it in season three? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Blake, Avon, and Villa teleport down, accompanied by happy music and a smile from Jenna. Um, yeah, again, what was that all weird, about? Another weird teleport scene after Avon's maniacal smiling uh, in in the last one. It, in the last I, one, it's really weird. The, is this going to be as we go on? Is it going to be a recurring thing? The the weird teleport. The weird awkward teleporting. Yeah. Oh, maybe that should be a new tally. <laughs> yeah. We I do like my tallies. Tally. Yeah. But anyway, they teleport down. They find a few dead troops, um, and Villa opens the door to a launch pad, where there's an escape yeah. ship. Um, now we know that's the same ship that those um, yes. deep frozen killers were in in that episode, weren't they? And it's That's also it, yeah. Ensor Jr.'s ship. Yep. Uh, and uh, it, it, it gets used again, doesn't it, I think? 
I think the mo- uh, model of yeah. it gets blown up. That's that's, that's that Posey's yeah, ship, rescue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In, in rescue, yeah. yeah. But it's given. It's been given a paint job here. You know, it's all nailed, yes, not it's, nice it's and white nice and red. Yeah. yeah. So presumably this is like the equivalent of the Ford Cortina, isn't it? This particular design of of the universe. Rocket. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. got one, just yes. slightly different, different trim on it. Well, the BBC definitely had one, and that's why they keep using the thing. Yeah, well, if you're, you it, know, that must have cost a bit, to be fair, to make that, so you might as well use yeah. it. It never turned up in Doctor Who, did it? I don't think so. I, I'd have uh, to go and check, but I don't think it did. Cause it wouldn't I think surprise at, me. Yeah. At this time in Doctor Who, I think this was about the same time they were doing Key to Time, and uh, I know the Key to Time, and they, it was definitely not in any of those okay. stories. No, I... I it, I don't think so. I wouldn't want to definitively say it didn't, but I don't think so. I don't remember because oh. I think I would, I would recognise it and go, "Oh, that's uh, Ensor's ship." Yeah. Well, they go in there and they go, "Oh, oh, that's a ship. That's an yeah. escape ship." And they they're about to go, and you just have the most stupid, stupid moment from Villa when he stops and says, "Hey, look at this. They're yeah. launch doors." You see the old magic still there? The old ego too. It's a rocket launch pad. What do you make of it? I'm not sure. Pillar, take a look round. This is the specification. It's fast but short range. It has a life support capability of about 100 space hours. The nearest habitable planet to Albion is over 500 space hours away. Then it would probably have to rendezvous with a mothership. Or come back to Albion. I don't see the point of having a rocket like that here. Just in case of emergencies, perhaps. Come on, let's go. There's nothing else for us here. Blake, look. What is it? There's a sliding section in the roof. They're launch doors. Yeah, it reminds me of um, if you ever played point and click video games uh, back in the day. You would always you'd go into a scene and there'd be something that you thought you had to do, and then a non-player character would go and break it. You know, it's like. Mm. And it, Villa's sort of that non-player character that he, they needed some way of breaking these doors, but they yeah. don't, they don't mention at the time that he's broken it. It's a little bit later on when they come to, to open it. It's, it's a bit strange. No, it's not... no, it, no, it's not him that breaks it. it. It's one of the other rebels who breaks it to stop Provine getting oh, to it. Right. I'm sure I, he I... says to Provine, you know, no point. I've, I've damaged it or something like that. Ah right, ah that makes more sense. So I was thinking, why, why are they? What is this scene for? No, so it's just exposition. Of this scene, yeah, yeah, no, it's just silly, silly exposition. It was yeah. totally unnecessary. I mean, it okay, give, give Villa something to do. That's exactly what I was about to say. It gives Villa something to do, but it's a stupid thing to do. Yeah, they do like having him behave in a way that isn't sensible though don't they I've no noticed. no yeah. no all right so um riley she's going through the files as no one knows what provine looks like um he yeah. comes out of his li- like little hidden door as i say we're skipping all the provine bit but he's hiding behind a hidden door um and knocks her out okay yeah it's a, a once again the um the Federation, the, this world we're in, they don't like having photos of people, do they? The, the only photos <laughs> they've got are on the official uh, sort of uh, HR forms. Yes. Yeah. Um, Blake and they and Co. They meet up with Calder, 
And Blake says Calder has been doing the same sort of thing that he's been doing. Um, Avon is shown the device, um, and it's a device that will kill everyone on the planet because of, and because it's a Terry Nation uh, story, yep. radiation. Yes, um, yeah. I, I, it, I mean, this is classic Terry Nation, is it? He loves his countdown. Yep. He loves himself a bit of artificial uh, sort of excitement to push you onwards. And he loves the idea of like a, a neutron bomb or a you know some something exploding that then doesn't damage the mm. the the buildings and that he, he uses it so many times in doctor who and he, yes. yes yeah it's class, classic terry classic terry yeah Avon also <laughs> terry 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 all these tallies were coming up with after <laughs> we've started i'd have to <laughs> retroactively do it blimey but uh, avon also says that that's not the bomb it's just a trigger yeah. mechanism for it I can dismantle a solium device, but first of all I have to find it. This isn't it. What? It is a subetheric transmitter that activates remotely. The bomb itself could be anything up to 10,000 miles from here, hidden anywhere on the planet. He, he's, uh, he knows his stuff, doesn't he, uh, Avon? This keeps happening, and you know it happened in the last episode uh, of this show, where he, yes, he's a computer genius, but he seems to know everything about robotics. He, yeah. in the uh, Avon uh, Avalon episode as well, knows everything about Federation rifles, and he could tell that, that it wasn't standard issue. Here, he knows that this is not a bomb, but it's a transmitter. Yeah, he's the Victor Bergman of Blake Seven, isn't he? He's he's one of those TV scientists that they. If they're a scientist, they know all of science. I haven't thought Everything, of it like that, yeah. but yes, he is. Yeah. He's Victor, isn't he? He is. He's Victor. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a handy little way of getting around exposition and stuff. Because otherwise, this episode would have ended sort of after, <laughs> whenever that countdown ended. It would have they'd have gone oh, boom. So it, yeah. it's a handy thing to have, but it yeah, it's other than having like scenes of Avon looking through uh you know looking through records and researching stuff and then coming back after about three days saying you know what that's not the bomb mm. yeah it's you, I suppose you, it's a convention we you, you've got to have for tv drama but he is a bit of a know-it-all but it yeah he is a bit of a know-it-all but he it also makes him cool as well you know yes Paul, Paul Darrow he likes uh you know the, the delivering of these lines and the way he says this isn't it you know um great stuff um blake also finds out that calder hired a mercenary to help out with the rebellion and during this avon there he's tinkering away with this transmitter thing and um you know he's quite cocky until he finds out the name of the mercenary and he drops yeah. his little uh device thing you're breaking into a federation stronghold must have taken some doing how many men did you have about 150. They came from resistance groups all over the planet. But you planned the organisation? Initially, but it didn't take me long to realise I'd need a professional leader. You mean you hired a mercenary? Yes. He organised the revolution on the planet Arcos, others before that. He has a very good record. <laughs> I made contact. He agreed to help, but demanded a very substantial sum. Mercenaries generally do. No, I think the price was to satisfy his ego, to prove he's the best in his field. He's certainly very good at his job to get your men in here. Where is he? He should be back. I'll fetch him. Oh, what's his name? Grant. Del Grant. What's the matter? Nothing. It's not important. 
didn't. I was a little surprised, that's all. Why, do you know him? I once knew somebody called Del Grant, but it was a long time ago. I doubt that this is the same man. You don't seem very eager to find out. Why? There are matters that remain to be settled between us. Like what? I told you, it's not important. If it is not important, then why did his name have such a strong effect upon you? Because the Del Grant that I knew said that if we ever met again, he would kill me. And we find out that if it's the Grant Avon knows, he'll kill Avon. Yeah. Um, um, which has rattled him a bit. Uh, Del Grant does come in and says hello to Blake and then spots Avon. And I don't know, there's just something away about the way the actor's acting when he sees Avon. I don't believe it. It's a, it's, it's a bit of a, a fake huh? sort of look, if you know what I mean. We have now used up more than half the time we have available. Hmm. Blake, this is Grant. Good to meet you. And you, we've been hearing about your strikes against the Federation. Well, you've been hitting them pretty hard too. You keep it up, you'll put us out of business. <laughs> that I wouldn't mind. If it meant breaking the Federation, nor would I. Hello, Dell. It's been a long time. I heard you were dead. I heard the same about you. Wishful thinking, perhaps. I'm glad the stories were wrong. I felt cheated. We have some things to settle. You two can talk about the old days some other time. Right now we have a problem that's just a little more pressing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like to think that, that uh, he's, he's, a, he's a mercenary and he's very good. So I think he would, as soon as he knows Blake's there, I think he would know. So I think, I don't know whether the character was completely oh. surprised. Yeah, I, that's what I like to read into it anyway. I, do, I mean, you... I, I, I like Tom Chadman as an actor, so I... I, I hate to think that he might have done something that was below yeah. par. Because yeah. because Dell does say to Avon, I thought you were dead. But yeah. he knows who Blake is, but surely if he had heard, knew about Blake, he would know whether Avon was with him or not, wouldn't he? We we get this a lot, though, don't we, in where people are constantly surprised or don't recognise characters that are with Blake. Now, you would mm. think that that Blake's... Blake's on every bit of news. He gets blamed for everything. The people, he's the right. Yeah, you would think that, or you almost think there would be like a Panini book of Blake where people are collecting stickers of the crew. They're that well, famous now. Well, there was a poster of them in the Radio Times, you know. There you so, go, so, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Presumably, if there's only, much more of that. If only uh, Clegg would have had that radio copy of the Radio <laughs> Times, the episode last week would have been so different. No, I think he was more of an ITV guy. Yes. Well, you're right, actually. Yeah. TV Times, Mr. Yeah. Clegg got, yes. But they have a stare-off. There's much glaring going yes. on. Um, but Avon's also found the circuitry plans. I always like it when people hold up transparent circuitry plans so that we can see the light through them. We can yeah. see what they're looking at. It's and not they don't look anything detailed, like it. I was going to say, it's it doesn't look anything like any circuitry plan I've ever seen, let alone for a, this, this whacking great big bomb. Yeah, and and sort of with again with one look, Avon knows exactly. Yeah, this, and so does Del Grant. Yeah. He takes one yeah. look at it, and he knows as well. You know, I took one look at it and thought, oh, someone's been drawing on some sort of sheets of acetate. Yes, um, but then I'm I'm not a mercenary or a rebel leader, so I'm I'm so sad. I was looking at that, and I was looking, at, I was thinking, is there any letter set on there? 
But yeah. uh, no, there wasn't. Seeing if you can, yeah, seeing if you can recognise the actual bits of letter set. Yes, <laughs> that's how sad we are. Yeah. We're letter set spotters. Did yeah. you Did know? You notice, sorry, there's so many things to notice in this program. You go first. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Letraset, bit of an aside here. It wasn't until I'd been living here for quite some time that I found out that only a couple of years before, and it was after we had been here for quite a while, that Letraset was produced in our town. Really? In a factory in our town, and it had only closed like two years before. I Makes just thought I'd mention that. What was in their skips when they closed down, didn't it? Exactly. If I'd known that was there, yeah. I would have been there. I would have been having all their offcuts and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. 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 I like me a bit of that. Do you remember the action transfers? Never oh. got a Blake 7 one, but I love it. <laughs> it was the underwater one. That was my favourite one yeah. with the sharks. Yes. Yes. Oh, classic stuff. I was going to say, did you notice earlier when they were cutting the wires that they were like, uh, they put little silver tape over the wire cutters to make them futuristic. <laughs> and I was watching, I think, you can do that for a pair of wire cuts, but you couldn't do it for those M16s. No, no. And you could do it for the drill later on in, yes. in this story <laughs> as well. Because, yeah, um, I, We'll I, be talking I, yeah, about that shortly. Yeah, I watched this episode with my wife, Anne, and she, as soon as she saw the drill, she went, uh, yeah, space drill. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad they didn't say that yeah all right so yeah the girl comes out of that hidden door and Dell and blake figure out that whoever hit her must have been provine um and then avon and Dell grant they start to talk about somebody called anna that last day when it was all over did they hurt her they kept her under interrogation for nearly a week they tried everything but she never broke if she'd spoken told them what they wanted to know she'd be alive now she should have told them she held on because she believed in you she didn't know that you'd run out and leave her to face it alone that was not the way it was i know exactly how it was she died under federation torture but it was you who killed her yes now yeah, this of the course first mention, isn't it yeah this is the first yeah. ever mention of somebody called anna we had no clue up until this point that there was anybody called Anna. And at this point, we don't know that this is just like part one of a story. And I'm yeah. sure when we watched this, when it first came out, Countdown finished, that was the end of the story. Move on. Um, yeah, well, this, like, like we just we said a few minutes ago, isn't it? it's when you're watching this, you wouldn't you wouldn't when we get to the Anna Grant episode, you probably wouldn't have connected this. You most probably I, would I have said, forgotten this episode. Yeah, yeah I, I certainly would. I, I have trouble just in an episode keeping track of everyone's names. So. Yeah. See, this was going to be a question for you. Do you think that that was the plan all along, that we'll set it up here with Del Grant and his sister, and, and then in the next season she's going to come back? Or was that you know no, a, I, a story I, that came up? You know, I would be on. very, I would be very surprised if it was a, a plan. It might, I mean, it might have been in the back of their mind, but I think that's more a. That in season three they're looking at things to do and they're just looking at, mm. what's you know, what's been mentioned or, and this is where it's wrong. I mean, I might, I might be wrong. I'm wrong on many things, um, but it, nothing else they seem to plan that far ahead there's nothing in this story mm. that is set up that you could say oh look there's a little clue there or anything like that you know it's done and dusted in this story yeah it's, it, this, it, this, it, yeah, it's 
if I think if they were planning it, if if they if if the the story that we get later on, which you know we won't go into spoilers, people might not see it. It's only been forty odd years, um, <laughs> but they would have made more play of it. Mm, it's very yes. low key. This in it, it's almost like this is just a this is a throwaway character just to give a reason for some sort of animosity between these two yes, characters yes. for later on, which I don't think they needed. And especially, I don't think they, it's a very civilized animosity, isn't it? Yes. They, this, that, they start cooperating almost immediately. Yeah. They're at no point. Cause you, normally in this sort of style of storyline and, and I, I was trying to remember whether this, this would have been a cliche even then, or whether it's just since the, um, someone's turning up that we need to get on with, but I've got a history with them and they want to kill me or I want to kill them. And they, you tend to get lots of scenes where you, you know, the threatening scenes and they're not cooperating. And then you got to pull together at the end to save mm. the day. You get none of that here. It's like, I, you, you said you was going to kill me. Yeah. But you know, mm. and that's yeah, because... almost the only explanation we get. Yeah, I mean, it, it is brushed aside almost immediately yeah. because, you know, they get news from the Liberator that the bomb is at the Polar Cap and Avon says to teleport him there. And Del Grant wants to go with Avon. Avon says no, but then he says give him a bracelet. So, you know, it's being brushed away almost immediately. Yeah, um, they could they could have played it where, like, they could have had, an, a, you know, a, a sideways shot of... And I'm thinking now of like the uh, William Hartnell in the Daleks, where you have a shot of him almost twirling his moustache when he he does something that is a little bit. Evil. And they could have had a shot like that of Avon, where you know he goes, uh, where you're thinking, oh, Avon's going to kill him. Mm. Avon's going to kill him in the North Pole and mm. kill him but before no, he kills him. Yeah, yeah, but there's none of that whatsoever. No, no, it's it's I mean, brushed it's, it's aside. Ref- yeah, it's almost refreshing. This but is. It, I, I, yeah. I tell you how they're behaving. They're behaving when um, our son and daughter have had a falling out, and they're sort of sulking at each other. So it's yeah. just like you know, sullen stares at each other rather it's than almost, outright yeah. hostility. Yeah, it's almost like they're behaving like two men in a stressful situation that need to rely on each other and get mm. on with the job, which is <laughs> is refreshing that they're not going into histrionics or yes, you know, padded yeah. drama. Yeah, I I I enjoyed that about. It. In fact, I, I'm enjoying that about the good episodes of Blake Seven that it's almost it sets up uh, a cliche and then either for reasons that it hasn't got the time or the budget to exploit it but then it just <laughs> kicks that cliche away and it's that's, yeah. it, it's almost like oh yeah that's good i like that yeah I, I tell you what i like as well i mean blake says you know that if the counter reaches 50 he's gonna pull them out and yeah. then goes across to grant and says if anything happens to avon i'll come looking for you and i like that comradeship and he does it in front of avon avon knows yeah. that blake has got his back you know yeah this the i mean the wonderful thing about blake seven and we we often harp on about it is the characters and they're so well done that you know that avon knows that blake's got his back and blake knows that he can rely on avon really even though avon will often say you know he'll rescue the day and make some flippant remark about it. But these people, they, they know and trust each other. Mm, yeah. And it's only in the, the very poorly written episodes where 
you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at you, assassin, where suddenly these people that up till now have trusted each other with their lives suddenly don't. Mm. You know, and it's like, oh, that's that, that's forced drama to me. That's yeah, not no. real drama. But this is true. This is true here. Yeah, it's true, and it's in keeping. Um, Avon and Grant they go up to the Liberator for their thermal clothing and tools. Yep. So they put on their Baker foil suits, um, and we get a little bit of OTT acting from Paul Darrow when he decides to give uh, Del Grant a weapon. He does a little snarly thing, doesn't he? Yeah. Again. No, no real need for it. At no point has uh, 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 has he been threatened, really. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. But then we've got some stock footage of a polar ice cap, which yep. seemed to go on forever. Um, and they teleport in, and the room, it looks to be a bit of girder work, some black cloth, and one wall. That's all you've got. Yeah, they, they teleport into what I presume is the uh, the the water tank at Ealing. <laughs> Yes. Judging by what happens later. And it's not very impressive, is it? It's not. It's not. And and, no and I think you're right. They they are very limited because this is a chamber yep. that they've got to fill with water and they've got to, yes. you know, have artificial rain coming in at the top. So there's only so much that you can put in there that uh, is either perishable and you can live with it or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's not the most convincing of rooms. Um, no, speaking it's, it's of not plain. very... Yeah, speaking of not very convincing, because we've skipped the Federation officer bits, there was a hilarious bit at the beginning. Finally, back in one of our earliest episodes, I said, do you remember that communications device where you hold yeah. it to your mouth and then put it to your ear? Um, yeah, they use it, and it is hilarious. It is very, very clunky. It is very, very analog. And here, did you notice it? In this room, the heater's control room is quite clearly one of those communication boxes on the wall. Oh, I didn't notice that. It is. It, it is yeah. the very communication yeah. box, that white box with the uh, black lines around it, or red lines, yeah. can't remember. It's stuck on a wall next to a calculator, okay? And <laughs> it, it was one of those 70s calculators that was like a wallet, and, you know, the front yeah. unfolded, okay, like a book. And they've stuck greeblies on the opened panel bit. That's all it is. It's a calculator <laughs> with some greeblies on its little fold-out cover, and one of these communicators that we've seen, what, 20 minutes before? Yes. Yeah. It, the, the, and I'm sure the, the, the communicator, the big boxy, horrible communicator, didn't, in Project Avalon, wasn't Avon playing with that and saying about he's programmed in uh, something to do with whatever the plot was. And he was using it in that. And I'm sure, it's, oh, I'm sure it was the same thing. Yeah. Oh, we're, go we're going, perhaps you need a, a boxy communicator tally just to add another one in. <laughs> Not another um, one. It's another a Maplin's one. tally. Maplin's tally, yeah. Well, it's not going to be a high tally now that they're gone. Mm. No, this is true. Um, bless them. But yeah, it's. Um, I, I quite like the idea that an episode called Countdown and you've spotted a calculator in it. That sort of. I don't know, it just <laughs> pleases me for some reason. Uh, anyway, amongst a lot of oil drums painted white, uh, yeah. they find the bomb encased in ice. Avon takes yes. a pick to it. It won't take too long. So what does that, he tell Del Grant to yeah. go and get? A space heater. A space heater. Here we go. The next but, addition to our space yeah. tally. Well, I was, I, was, I was conflicted on this because you can get a thing called a space heater. And had they wheeled out an actual space heater, a heater for heating a large space, Yes, I, I would say, ah, that's our... They, they've played with our... 
they uh, have, haven't they? Expectations. But, but they don't. But they haven't. That, yeah, <laughs> I think they, they mean it as a space heater. A space heater. A heater oh. in space, yeah. It, I, I, every every thing on this space tally that we've been coming up with, you know, the pirates and the, yep. the Met and the security, you could easily interchange it with sci-fi because it's as naff as that. Yeah. Get a sci-fi heater, sci-fi pirates. Yeah. It's the same naffness, isn't it? You could you could substitute the word magic as well. Get the yeah. magic. Heater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. Back to the uh, to the rest of uh, the good guys. Blake wants to check on the rocket as Provine Provine might make for it. Well, of course he's going to make for it. What else is Provine going to do? They should have yeah, had a, he... a, a, that. They should have had that whole corridor full of guards. They immediately uh, they found that rocket. They should have uh, done that. Yeah, because it's not like they. I mean, they know they know at this point that the bomb is going to destroy the planet. So it's not like they've got other things that's more important to do, is there? Like you know, no. make, you know, make a, a census check or count how many meals are left in there for them or. What what are all those other people doing? Or perhaps they all mm. died in that fight. Perhaps they just carried on fighting. Off they screen. can't get off the trampolines. That's what it is. Yeah. They're stuck on these trampolines. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're all down the uh, the A and E with <laughs> ankles and things. Yes. Um, Raleigh is told to go and find someone to accompany Blake up to the rocket, and we yeah. see this person's elbow at the door as Blake goes out and taps him on the shoulder. But that's it. And I, I quite like that because that's done in a long shot. Again, it's it's not telegraphing the fact that that is actually yeah. is provine. Blinking, yeah, you would have missed nice that. Yeah, it's subtle. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, you almost expect a, a, the camera to pan round or him to turn around and say, <laughs> mm. sort of thing. But yeah, it's it, it's it's quite like it, we're getting a lot of nice subtle touches on this on Blake Seven, aren't we? By looking at it in it's detail, good. like this, this is yeah. this is good stuff. Um, Avon and Grant, they're now wearing very 70s face protection. We used to have those in the cinema I used to uh, yeah. to work in when we were changing uh, the xenon bulbs. Um, yeah. And they used the space heater to get the bomb out and up on the table. Number one, why is there a table there? Well, presumably it's to, to put the bomb on, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, fair enough. Is this Things... the same table that appeared in the Liberator? Perhaps this is actually an alien race. And it's you know they 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 their physicality in our universe is to appear as a table, so they try to make contact. In our ga- yeah. galaxy. They try to make contact with Blake on the Liberator, and he just shot a cup off of it. Yeah. They try to to contact him here, and they put a bomb on them. They're going to give up yeah. at any point. They? they it could have been a scout force of Andromedans, you know, that yeah. somehow got through the uh, the force. They were shapeshifters, uh, weren't they? Yeah. Well, they've shape shifted into a table. Yeah. There you yeah, go. I, it's, I, there we go, we've solved that. There's a whole fan fiction thing in there, isn't there? Yeah, yep, yep. Um, things start falling down as they realise the roof is cracked and the melting ice is going to bring everything down. The time on the clock now is 2.02, okay? Yes, 2.02 somethings. Avon makes a weird thing, doesn't he, where the, the, everything's falling down and, and uh, Tom Chadman says, uh, uh, you know... Every, you know, if things are falling down, we're gonna we're gonna drown, we're gonna be killed, or whatever. And everyone goes, "Would you rather freeze? We'll just turn it off for a bit." <laughs> you don't, you know. Yeah, yeah you got a not... thermal suit on, mate. Yeah, you're gonna last a while, and then turn it back on for a bit. Yeah, yeah. But they cut the wires to the relays, and everything here looks good because, as you say, everything's on film, so it's looking yeah. terrific. 
Um, but we go back to the command room and Villa and Raleigh, they're checking more files when Raleigh finds Provine's, Provine's ID. As you say, they all look like they've been taken from a train station uh, photo booth. They do, yeah. They look like the, you know, the very glum driving license photo, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, and she realises that that's the man that she sent with Blake. These are some more Federation personnel files. Are you used to you? Yes, I'll check them. That's Provine. That's his service record. That's the man I got to go with Blake. Which way do they go? The rocket silo. I've forgotten how to get there. The junctions of corridor 11A51B. 11A51B. Five A eleven one B. Yeah, she she um she recognised him. I mean, there's I I couldn't. It was only a fleeting shot of the uh, the the file cards, but there didn't seem to be any actual English writing on it, did it? It was no, no. It it's back to what I like it in Blake Seven, where you don't see English written down. Yeah. Um, she sends Villa off to warn Blake. Um, tells him, you know, exactly the location of that room. And he gets the details wrong. And we were talking about this in a previous episode of the show. Is Villa actually quite dense? Stupid. Or well, is this know. deliberate? Is, the, is he deliberately getting it wrong? Because if he gets there too soon, he could get into a firefight between yeah. Blake and well, Provine. So he deliberately delays himself and he has this pretense. He's trying to fool himself as well as everybody else that he's yeah. got the numbers wrong. Well, I was, I mean, two things sprang to me when they said this was one, I thought, God, wouldn't it be handy if Blake had some sort of communications device on him, perhaps around his wrist, <laughs> that, that you wouldn't have to actually leg it down there to tell That's him. That's a good point. I haven't thought yeah. about this. Why didn't Villa oh, that, just call him? Yeah. He didn't have to say, Villa, you're, uh, Blake, you're with Provine. It was a, Blake, uh, we need to speak to you. Can you come back? So, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's no, 40 we're, years we're of watching this, and I've never ever thought oh, about sorry. that. I've They've just, got I've their communicators. Before, you have, you've spoiled it. <laughs> right Let's go and watch tomorrow people instead. <laughs> tomorrow people in character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, but we go back to Avon and Grant, and as they reach the important bit, Avon tells Grant what really happened with him yeah. and Anna. There's one thing I never understood. Why did you leave her alone? I'd arranged to buy some exit visas, but I had to go right across the city to collect them. It was safer for Anna to stay out of sight. Separate her. What happened then? There were patrols out everywhere looking for us. I was late at the rendezvous. And then the man from whom I was buying the visas increased the price. He wanted ten times what we had agreed. He said he could get even more if he turned me in and collected the Federation reward. Should have killed him. I did. Link clamp. So you got the visas. Why didn't you go back for her? Killing the dealer wasn't quite so straightforward. He was expecting something and fired first. I started back, but I was losing a lot of blood. Somewhere along the way, I passed out. I was lucky. Some people found me and got me undercover. You could have got a message to her, told her to get out. I was unconscious for more than 30 hours. I need to hold this flat back. Get your hand in here. 
That's good. You can get at the main now. You used the visa and got out of the city. You left her there. That's right. But that was a week later. Anna was already dead. You're lying. You left the city the same day, before the Federation found Anna. You could have got her out. No. She came looking for me. The patrols found her. It was only after we got word that she was dead that I left. You expect me to believe that? Not particularly, but it happens to be the truth. If there had ever been a time when I could have given my own life to save her, I would have done it. The only grain of consolation that I have is that Anna knew that. She died because of you. That's all that matters. There's nothing changed between us. I didn't really expect that it would be. And I love the acting in this, right? Mm, I, it's good. Uh, yeah. I, I think both of them are terrific. There is a question straight away, though. Um, Grant says that Avon should have killed the visa seller, and Avon says that he did. Now, right at the beginning of yeah, this show, I've got this that's a contradiction, notes, yeah. isn't it? Jenna well, this asks is, this Avon, is could gradual, you ever kill anyone? Yeah, yeah the gradual changing of Avon from the, the computer programmer that tried to embezzle to a hard gun running rebel yeah it definitely doesn't fit no no they yeah there there has been an evolution and a change hasn't there you know i'm and also i mean here we are we're we're three quarters of the way through uh season two they they knew at this point that blake's leaving avon is going to have to assume command he's got to take a more heroic role so you know in subtle ways like this he is becoming, yeah. you know, the the hero type, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they if if um, uh, they'd have said, you know, he'd have said, why didn't you kill the 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 visa seller? And Avon would have said something like, I'm not you. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I I I like I like the fact that at the start of all this, they weren't killers. Hmm. That it was again, I. I my idea of the Blake Seven is that it's the fight was political, not yes, yeah, not not trampoline work. There wasn't a lot of trampoline work in the rebellion, I don't really oh, think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's handled nicely, and you you're right that you can see that they're starting to almost groom Avon as as a Blake replacement. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm presuming Gareth Thomas would have told him at the beginning of season two that this was going to be his last season or by the time of filming this if if, if, yeah. Yeah, if, if they filmed them all in order they would have known by now we're only like what four episodes away from yeah. the end so they would have known by now but no a terrific scene terrifically acted terrific dialogue um and i love how they're chest to chest during this yeah. they're almost in an embrace aren't they as they're trying to get to the bits of the bomb yeah it's really, again nicely edited nicely filmed um while we was watching it um after Avon says his bit, and um, uh, and as she says, she goes, "Is he telling the truth? Is it? Does is Avon telling the truth there?" And it's like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Avon lies. Not. I mean, he does to like when he needs to do that. But I think when he's on, he's quite a truthful character, isn't he? He doesn't see the need to to exaggerate or to lie or to. Well, I would so, have thought, yeah. yeah, if he was acting, that's bloody good acting because yeah. Paul Darrow in it is brilliant. His acting during the whole, you know, if there had ever been a time I could have changed places with her. I mean, that's heartfelt, you know. Yeah. Um, stunning never, bit of acting. Yeah, he never went really went on to get the 
the the sort of the acclaim he should have, did he? I know he, he should have gone he into the theatre. Where, yeah, he, I mean, there's there's so many. Same with Michael Keaton. There's so many good actors in Blake Seven, and it it, it sounds awful because we're both here because of Blake Seven, and we're we're you know recording these these programs about Blake Seven, but they were almost better than Blake Seven. Mm. If you know they you feel they should have gone, especially because most of them now have just gone on to appear in EastEnders or Emmerdale Farm or, yes. you know, not, not belittling soaps, but it's not, not exactly the, the, the place for standout. You active. would have hoped for them. There would have been a progression and they would have yeah. become bigger and bigger and bigger where you see some, some actors start in TVs and, you know, go onto films and go to Hollywood and, you know, um, and, and, and they really did deserve it. It's just a shame that they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope, I hope they, uh, they were well rewarded, and that, you know, in the in, because you know, British television is not Hollywood, you know, it's but you've got successes in a smaller way, and I hope, I hope they realise just how good they were. Well, it, it's very encouraging, you know. Here we are with this year we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Blake 7 and it is still big and it has an incredibly loyal you know fan base and following and you know the 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 actors that are still with us you know if they choose to they can go to these events where they are quite rightly you know praised for their work and and yeah. it's good to see that acknowledgement and it it still works and it still holds up like I say I when when we started this and I I mean I it's not. It's it's been a a while since I've watched Blake Seven in its entirety. I sort of pick and choose the episodes I want to watch, and there's certain episodes I watch endlessly. Um, but my wife's never sort of been into it. Never watched it. She'll reluctantly watch Classic Who, but mainly to tear it to pieces. And I thought I thought she would either when I put the episodes on, she would leave the room or go and do something else, or that if she sat and watched it, she would tear it to pieces. And she hasn't. She's sat and watched them and enjoyed them and we both will tear into it when something stupid happens but the acting side of it you know it works she she loves paul darrow as avon she thinks such a really interesting character she likes mm. villa um she thinks talent's a twat so <laughs> everything's good you know yeah but yeah, you're so glad works. you're married yeah. to her aren't you, you... <laughs> oh yeah if she had said all oh, that talent he's, he's a bit all right and he's like no that's it no Ants. right divorce <laughs> yeah. but it worked the acting is still top oh, notch it, it is it is yeah mm. yeah we've said this quite a few times mm. you know that you might have a bit of a duff story but there are moments in the duffness of yep. dialogue of acting that are standout moments yeah I, i've yet to see <laughs> actually i may be i may be uh contradicting what we said about assassin i've yet to see an episode that didn't have something in it that you go that's good. I, I I think Richard Herndall, he's sort of... Richard Herndall and Avon seen in the cell in Assassin. I think that, that fits my rule. But yeah. yeah, there's... Even in the duffest of episodes, there's something... There's something there, isn't something there? Something there, yeah. A little nugget of excellence. Yes, yes. All right. Well, we're going to skip Blake and Provine shootout uh, to Villa arriving and the dying Provine saying that Control is now called Star One. And only yeah. a cyber surgeon by the name of Dockerley knows Dockerley, its location. Yeah. And that's um, the end yeah, of Provine. So, yeah, a couple of things about this scene, though. Um, one, 
you may be right in your assessment of Villa there because when he turns up, he it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the scene in Saving Private Ryan where he know he can sort of hear the, what's going on inside and he he waits outside. Mm. So is he is he completely cowardly and he's done this? Yeah, you you might be right on that. I've never really. I, I think really it's a self-preservation it thing yeah. rather than cowardice. If 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 self-preservation means he has to do something heroic, like pulling the gun on Baben, he will do it. Yeah. If self-preservation means slowing down, pretend to get lost, and when he finally does get there, slow right down and not go around that corner because, you know, of what might happen, that's self-preservation and not cowardice. Yeah, which which makes him... A, an interesting character, but not a particularly nice no. person. Well, he was a criminal. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that, that is true. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's but I've never thought that way about Villa before. I've always thought, oh, he's he's a, he's the nice character. But yeah, you 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 may be right there. You might be a, an absolute git. We'll have we'll have to keep an eye out for these little Villa. Yeah. Uh, touches all the way through and, and, and just see if we can see any more um, cases to actually prove this point. Maybe at the end yeah. of this show, when this show reaches a conclusion, we can have certain things that we can say that we feel about certain characters. Yeah, we, we could have put up definitive proof one way or another. Yes, yes. All right, the counter is at 63, and Something Avon is. and Grant yeah, have taken off their bracelets so they can't be teleported out. Um, yes. The bomb's three detonators are activated by plungers. Now, I've got in my biggest caps <laughs> on here, analog, exclamation mark. You can't get more analog than a plunger dropping yeah. down a tube, can you? Well, this is um, this is sort of World War II detonator mm. uh, technology. Now, is this because Terry Nation, I mean, pretty much most of Termination's writing was influenced heavily by World War Two, and is this is this like a throwback to that? Because you 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 could pluck this out of someone doing a bomb, you know, on a you know in World War Two, and it you could do the same thing on it. Yeah, didn't you, know? you, you? You must have seen it. There there is a film that came out in the mid seventies called Juggernaut about this oh, huge right, great yeah, oil yeah. tanker, and there was a bomb in that, and I'm sure. Yeah. In that, there were plungers which dropped down tubes and they had to drill a hole and put a pin across. You know what? You're right. That does ring a bell. That's ringing a bell. Yeah, I didn't think about that up, until yeah. you started saying that. That started ringing a bell. But you're right. It, it, it could be something out of World War Two. It could even be yeah. something out of World War One. you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to have a plunger nice. drop. Yeah, it's nice that it's, it's a bit of physical business for them to do rather than... Because now it'd be... Let me just run this subroutine. I've realigned yeah. the phase emitters. And they would fix it that way. So it's nice that it relies on a Black & Decker drill and, a, and a, coat, a bit of coat hanger. Right. Before we get to the Black & Decker drill, something has occurred to me watching it this time that's never occurred to me before. And it, I'm sure it is the curse of podcasting that does this, with the way you, you look at things and analyze yeah. things far more than if you're just going along for the ride. Right. They need to drill holes in the three tubes and put a rod in to stop the plunger, yes? Yeah. Why not turn the whole thing upside down? Because then the plungers can't drop. Well, I, yeah, I thought that while watching it. And then I, my, my fanboy brain immediately went, oh, perhaps it's like magnets that it's pulling the plunger down. 
Uh, it's not dropping it because otherwise, space yeah, magnets just turn it upside down. Space magnets. That's what yeah. space magnetism caused it to to do that. <laughs> but yeah, if it if it literally was that they just fall, I mean that's a that's so archaic, isn't it? For yes, a, a, a planetary destroying bomb. <laughs> Uh, and B, yeah, just turn it upside down. Kick it over <laughs> on its side, you know. But then again, you know, the Federation never could have envisaged that people would be able to get to this room at the polar ice cap. That's why they put it there. You know? That's true. I mean, they don't do this a lot, do they? They don't use the teleport, the revolutionary nature of the teleport, as much as they should. No. I mean, I know in um, uh, in Rescue they say about the teleports and then actually in um in one uh, was it uh, space no not space well what's the third one Cygnus alpha they sort of both avon and blake say they were working on the teleport system yes, project it's like yeah. small work no large project um but how how revolutionary is this because sometimes people are amazed by it and sometimes people aren't um but it should it should help them more than it ever does mm. they don't write mm. it into the storylines particularly well no no. All right. So, yes, we've mentioned about this, the Black & Decker drill. There is a cordless, yeah. it's just a bog standard cordless drill. They painted it grey, put some red stripes on, and to try and make it more sci-fi, they put a whirring noise over the top yeah. of it. Oh, boy, this is poor, poor, poor. Especially when, even in, in like, the, the compared to the time of Blake 7 to now, from the program being made to now, that drill looks archaic even yeah. to us. Oh, you know, it, they... you, you know what makes it even worse is that Avon brought that down from the Liberator. So this yeah. is a Liberator toolkit. Okay, so yeah, this, this is, is what this people is the on the system, system were using. Yeah. yeah, they use drills like this to build the Liberator. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it's it it takes something away from it again, doesn't it? They, yeah. If they're using these uh, these not particularly uh, advanced tools to make it, uh, um, no, no, yeah, I, I suppose it's it's nice that because again now you would get some you would get just a little you know, greebly covered device and they would it would be a laser one so it's it's quite nice that it's all physical <laughs> but, yeah. but it does like I say it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't work. convince no yeah. no uh it's pouring in the room as well and there's yeah. a cave-in um when they've only got one more tube still to be drilled there's a cave-in grant's trapped under a girder uh the time is now 37 um avon gets grant out crawls over grant to drill the last pin and manages to retrieve the uh pin from out of a polystyrene rock yeah i well i I thought that. I thought, is this the actual pin, or is he just like pulled a bit of wire out? Oh, it might have been something yeah. that was just in the polystyrene block. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's that's the the connotation I got. Um, but like I say, I, I'm wrong on so many things. So I wouldn't yeah, put, yeah, it, yeah. put it past it. But yeah, I I sort of thought because because um, uh, Tom Chaplin says uh, there's no point anyway. I've lost the pin. And yes. It's like Avon as if he's going, you know, and just pulls a bit of wire out. It could have been. I didn't even think about that. But he fits it in just as the timer reaches yep. zero one, and uh, and then the pin drops and everything's fine. We did it. <laughs> yes, I did, didn't I? 
Why did you help me? Perhaps because Anna is your sister. And that's when we find out that he saved Del Grant because Anna was his sister. Yeah. Although I think um, I think Avon would have saved him anyway, wouldn't he? He he does. He, I think he um, he is a. I mean, he does become a killer, but I think at this point he he would have saved him anyway. I think I don't think he would have let him die, even no, if he wasn't. I don't wasn't. think so. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, we then got that fantastic liberator shot, which I never ever get tired of them using, Lovely, and, yeah. and excellent music. And inside. Grant is saying goodbye to the crew. Goodbye, Jenna. Goodbye. Goodbye, Kelly. Goodbye, Villa. And thank you. Anytime. I'll remember that. Oh, will you? All right, Jenna, take us on, man. You'll get us out of here. Right. Um, you're welcome to come with us if you want to. Thanks. But no, they still need me down in Albion. <laughs> Besides, I've got a pretty hefty fee to collect. You've earned it. Um, and we get Villa's uh, anytime um, little jokey exchange. Yeah, Villa's, uh, Villa's got to get his uh, little one-liners in, hasn't he? Well, he's got to have something to do. Yeah. He didn't do much yeah. um, uh, this time. Um, Blake actually offers Grant a place on the crew. Um, yeah, I wish he had stayed. But he declines. Well, I was going to say, what do you think would have happened if he had? Because it, it, I kind of see him as sort of a halfway point between Blake and Avon. But I don't yeah. know how the dynamic would change uh, if Avon would be yeah, then he's pushed not... into the background a bit more. Yeah, he's not as um, he's not like Tarrant because Tarrant is a, a, a basically a stupid thug, isn't he? Mm. He so yeah, he's this this guy is much cleverer than Tarrant. So yeah, it would have been interesting. I mean, they could have done some rivalries or you know mm. something mm. like that. I mean, would. Uh, would Avon have then seen him as a, a threat? Well, it, it, presumably Blake would still leave at Star One. So yeah. his place, if it, if Del Grant tried to take it, I don't think Avon would have been happy with that. I don't think any of the others would have been happy with that because he's the new boy, you know? And who are you to order us around? Although they seem to, in some of the Season 3 episodes, uh, allow Tarrant that. Yeah, but that was just down to strange writing, and they were still writing yeah, for Blake, just, weren't they? That was just huge inconsistencies in the writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say when when uh, Blake does leave and they bring Talent on, yeah, I I think I think that at that point he could have come back. Yeah, and it could have been an interesting sort of dynamic because he would he could have then taken over sort of the idealistic Blake sort of role. Yeah. But with with less less call on the crew to follow him. This is this is a Del Grant episode. Um, so I'll mention it here. I might mention it again when we finally do an Anna Grant episode. Do you think it, after the events play out um, um, with Anna Grant and Avon in season three? Do you think at any point Avon considered actually finding Del Grant and tell him the actual truth about his sister and what actually happened? Um, I mean, they, they they could have covered that with a little throwaway line that Avon knew he'd been killed or something. You know, you know, she could have said something about her brother, and he could have said, "Well, your brother's dead. 
at least he died not knowing the truth about you or something like that. But yeah, I think this 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 shows that they weren't thinking of this. No, story they weren't. Line. They weren't. Um, no. But yeah, we but, leave it. We leave yeah. it on a handshake, don't we? Between Avon yeah. and and Dell, and he uh, teleports down. Blake asks if Avon would like to talk about it, but he says he wouldn't understand. And it's another one of these strange endings to Blake Seven, where you get this happy music as the story ends. This story didn't deserve the happy music at the end, no. did it? No, it, it, it's this weird thing where. It's almost like you've got. It's a bit like we we mentioned it before, like the the original Star Trek series, where you, it's almost like they thought you had you couldn't you couldn't end on a downer, could you? In case no. people don't view next week, but yeah, it doesn't. The music is totally unsuited. It's not. This isn't. This isn't really a happy ending, is it? As, as no. far as it's not. Well, it's, I suppose it's it's a happy ending in at least. They, you know, the planet wasn't destroyed. Yes, but it's not a, a lightweight chuckling. It doesn't deserve a, a, yeah, a little bit of happy music yeah. at the end. It's quite melancholic, actually. Yeah. Um it's good nice that actually. Avon and and Dell have, you know, patched things up. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not happy clappy, really, is it? No, no. All right, uh, behind the scenes, as you say, Tom Chadbourne. Um, now, Tom Chadbourne is an actor I always confuse with the guy who was in Acorn Antiques and a lot of Victoria Wood shows. You know, the oh, tall, yeah, I know, blondish the, guy. The, I don't know yeah. why I always confuse the two of them. Um, the problem I've got with Tom Chadbourne is I haven't seen him in an awful lot, and every every time I do see him in things, he'll always be Duggan to me uh, from yeah. City of Death. Yeah, I mean, I... I think I've seen him in a few things and I think he's a good actor and I always enjoy his performances and I think he brings a almost a shorthand character with him you know mm. I um but Duggan I do, I love him as Duggan but I I I always find that the character of Duggan is is a typical Douglas Adams cliche Mickey take of a type of character mm. and obviously in this case the hard-boiled detective so I I don't think he's. I don't think Duggan's his greatest work. It's, it's, it's presumably what he's known best for, but mm. I don't think that's his. I think he's much better in this than he is as Duggan. Mm. To be honest, mm. I just can't get Duggan out of my head. I don't know why. I, th- I think it's just you know the Doctor Who Tom Baker thing with me, you know, um, and that is a fantastic story as well. I love City of Death. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really um, really good story. I don't think it's the the sort of be all and end all of Doctor Who that a lot of fans seem to plonk it up there. I think it's got it's got hideous shortcomings, <laughs> but uh, it is an enjoyable one. It is a it's, yeah, uh, of yeah. the stories around that that time. It's definitely stands head and shoulders above what's around it. Mm-hmm. Are you aware that Del Grant made a return to Blake Seven in the Big Finish audios? Uh, no, I I've I started I I listened to some of the the awful, awful BBC audios. Yeah, and I think they put yeah, I think they've put me off. I've not heard I've not really heard any of the big finish stuff. I was it Big Finish that did the the reboot with the new crew? Which that I that don't was know, awful as well. Yeah, that that apparently was bad. That. I only know the ones with the original crew using the original yeah. actors and they're not bad. I've I've, I've listened to a yeah. few of them now. I haven't listened to any with Del Grant, but I think in some of the stories, Del Grant is is actually a member of the crew of the Liberator. Oh, right. 
I'll have to look yeah, into that more and put it up on the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sort of part of me think, I mean, I, I like some of the Doctor Who big finish stuff and I think they do really good stuff and they, they're very good at what they do. But part of me, the, the fanboy part of me, just none of this is canon. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's a bit like the Star Wars expanded universe. It must have been how Star Wars fans felt when Disney went, no, none of this yeah, took place. Yeah. 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 Um, and I sort of feel like that, that the BBC at any point could null and void all of it. <laughs> What I don't like about, you know, the expanded universe on Star Wars, on Star Trek, and, you know, all the big Finnish um, audios here of Blake 7, the Doctor Who's, everything, is if all these stories are keep coming out and they're meant to be canon, yeah. um, it means that they're having, like, you know, a, a, a near-death experience every week, you know, yeah. at least in... It, with with the finite amount of stories, the 52 episodes we've got of Blake 7, there is... A, in many cases, you've got a period of time between one adventure and the next. But if you keep having these things, bam, 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 bam. Number one, they would be so stressed out it was untrue. Number two, they're they're pushing their luck. Somebody's going to die soon. If 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 every time they set out on their ship, they have a a, a near death experience, you can't survive like that. Yeah, it's the old. It's like the sort of rules of writing isn't it that if you're if you're writing a one-off novel then the the theory is that the the story you're writing that should be the most important part in your character's life mm. you, you know you don't write about the second most important thing that you it, this is what it should be and um if you continually do that it becomes melodrama yes and that's what i i yeah it i do i find and it sounds awful, but modern Doctor Who does this as well, where every time you up the stakes and then you up it again and you up it again, you get to points where it no longer has, you might be threatening the entire universe, but it has no, no weight behind it. No, no. Whereas, exactly. Yeah. Whereas uh, an argument with two men in a locked room, that could be edge of your seat stuff. Hmm. You don't keep having, yeah. It doesn't have to be life and death every no. single time. Yeah, it doesn't it's have just to too be much, the, isn't it? Yeah, it's just too much. But that's, I mean, most of these, most. I know it, there's a, a blur in line between fan fiction and actual product now, and a, a lot of fans are now writing for these companies. But to me, it all, I, I sort of, if it, if it didn't happen on screen. Mm. it's fan fiction and that's sort of the way i look at it uh and i ha i almost have to look at it that way because uh i'm like a lot of fans i'm a completist mm. so i find it very hard to i find it easier now but than I, I did when i was younger but it's still hard that you if you listen to one you want to listen to them all if you yeah. collect one you want to collect them all and I, I almost find i have to say no that there's 52 episodes this yeah. is it and that's it. This it's is a, yeah. yeah. This is their story. You know, yeah. this is everything that happened to them. This is the documented story. This is is how it played out. Yes, exactly. I think you're yeah. absolutely right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I was just gonna say it's, and also, the Doctor Who ones on Big Finish suffering this is where you've got to keep stuffing these stories in between other stories, mm. and that well, yeah. starts to get ridiculous as well. It it does. I mean, I. 
it's quite entertaining. I've got a big Finnish audio called Warship, and that takes uh, place between um, uh, um, at the end of Star One. Yeah. Okay. Does it take place at the end of Star? Yeah, it's, it, it it bridges Star One to Terminal. Okay. Yeah. And you have Avon saying fire at the end of Star One, and then there's another adventure that goes on where. Blake, even though he's mortally wounded, goes down to a planet with Callie because there is another earlier version of Star One, which is a rogue planet, which has <laughs> got another weapon on it that Servalan is going to use and blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, and it's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It was fine as it was. You have Star One, you have Terminal. Yes, there was a big space battle, but not Blake going off and having another adventure before he disappeared, you know? Yeah, it 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 devalues the adventures. I mean, going, sort of going back to Star Wars, it's uh, it's like I Rogue One. I I enjoy it for what it is, but it sort of devalues Star Wars. Mm. And when I say Star Wars, I mean Episode Four, yeah. not Star Wars the the entire franchise. Um, yeah, it. When you do these things and you you know and you slot stuff in here and you slot stuff in there and you you, you I yeah just I'm, I'm quite happy with what I got. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what you said um, there, you know, if if you view it as almost like uh, fan work, yeah, um, and you know, for you it's not for you, and you just stick with the 52 episodes, absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I do as well. They're yeah. interesting, but I don't believe in them for one second as being canon. No. All right, the only other bit of information I've got, I don't know if this is true, I can't believe this is true, <laughs> but it says in the original script, um, when Provine talks about uh, this cyber surgeon, yeah. he originally was going to be called Doc Holliday, <laughs> right? which they changed to Doc Holly, and in the final script it became Dockerly. I can't. I don't believe that. I can't see that. That Doc Holiday. I. I. I think somebody's gone. Oh, Dockerly. Look at the way that's spelled. That's a bit yeah. like Doc, and there's a bit of Holiday in there. Maybe. And he was a doctor. Doc Holiday. That's the only thing that I can think of. I can't believe that was Terry Nation putting that in. I think the only way that would have worked is if it would have been Space Doc Holiday, <laughs> and Terry Nation puts it in. I mean, I. I've never heard that, but it does. I mean, Dockerly is an unusual name, and Dockerly, Doc Holiday. I that that's what I think. Oh, well, that's interesting. But then you think when we finally meet Dockerly, yeah, he's nothing. There's no connection to. He's not a Doc Holiday character, but he could have been because of where they meet him, etc. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Could have been. I think a lot of these things where you where where fans go, oh, did you know that this was originally going to be this, and it, I imagine in most cases, it's like if you've ever been in a meeting at work or anything like that, you know that things are thrown out and just, you know, and and is it that 40 years on when they're being asked at conventions, something that was like, I mean, it might have been a throwaway line like, uh, oh, we'll call him Doc Holliday. You'll be a gambler. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and that's it. It's not. And that it's they taken as gospel. Any, yeah. yeah <laughs> they're, they're never at any point did they consider Yes, this character is going to be called Doc Holliday. No, but I can't. But the fans see that latch either. onto it. Terry yeah. Nation said it, therefore it must yep. be true. Yeah, it could and be also, something Terry as simple Na as that. Terry Nation was a terrible, terrible um, 
liar in interviews, wasn't he? He used to exaggerate. Uh, exaggerate, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows? Who knows? All right, uh, Tom Chadbourne then, his tallies. He's got a, a, a quite a, a respectable genre tally of 12, um, wow. which is good. Anything over 10 is, is putting you up with the big boys. Uh, Shadows of Fear is the first genre thing I found that he was in. It, it's a supernatural anthology show from the early 70s, which... I don't remember. I think it was an ITV one. No, no. Out of the Unknown. Okay. Uh, The Stone Tape, which was a ghost film. Uh, The Beast Must Die. Pardon me? Nigel Neal, wasn't it? Stone Tape. It was, yes. Uh, The Beast Must Die, which is a bit of a... Peter Cushing doesn't have many obscure films, but that is one. That's a werewolf film with Peter Cushing in it. Uh, The Beast Must Die. No, exactly. I told you it was obscure. Then it was this, uh, Blake Seven. Um, then, of course, City of Death. I wasn't yeah. aware that he actually had two roles in City of Death. He's Duggan, as we oh, said. Oh, is he a voice on the radio at the beginning or something? He is, he is the voice yeah. of the Jaggeroth, yes. Yeah. Talking to Scaroth, yes. Yes, that's Tom. Um, Tales of the Unexpected. Okay, he was in one yeah. of them. He was in one of the Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense TV episodes. I'm very surprised so far that nobody, none of our um, featured actors, have actually appeared in a Hammer film yet. Yeah. Yeah. You would you would think because Hammer at one point were like that. It was the only the only productions for films in going. That's right. In yeah, Britain, that was the only it? thing yeah. going. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was in their TV show. Um, he was in Doctor Who. Uh, Trial of a Time Lord. Oh, yes, yeah. He was actually yeah, he was good in that. Yeah. He was in Space Pre- Precinct. I don't uh, remember him in that. Did he have a mask on? I, I, I didn't. I, I really didn't care for Space Precinct at all. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it, but, it, yeah, very lightweight. Right. Um, he was in uh, the first Daniel Craig Bond film. He was in Casino Royale as a stockbroker. I guess he was oh, just I... in the background, you know. The party was born to play, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have, actually don't have a name, that's not a very big part, no. is it? And Unless he was the stockbroker. The stockbroker, yeah. And he was in Game of Thrones. He was High Septon Maynard in Game oh. of Thrones. Okay. So that gives him a genre tally of 12, which also gives him a Who tally of 2, um, a Bond tally of 1, and an He's Anderson good, tally. He's doing well. Yeah. Anderson Tally. We haven't had an Anderson Tally for a while. So, uh, yeah, he gets that for Space Precinct, okay? So that's it. That's Del Grant dealt with, okay? We will be featuring Anna Grant somewhere off in the the future on this show, okay? In the the not-too-distant future, yeah. Yeah, so uh, join us next time as we focus on, oh dear, uh, the story Volcano. Uh, Yeah, it has to be done. And the only real character that we could focus on, Hauer, um, played by Michael... Is it Gow or is it Michael Goff? I've heard it as Michael Gow, Michael Goff, Michael Guff. Guff. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. Right. How are we going to work this out? How are... Oh, very good. How are we? Um, I'm looking forward to this. I, I haven't watched it yet. Um, no, I'll be watching that I, over the next week. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will confess. I watched it last night, mm-hmm. and I think I think we're in for a good chat on this one. <laughs> As you know, my my views on this are are not 
I mean, you could. I mean, it, probably you don't have to wait. People know it's not one of my favourite episodes, um, but I, I'm I'm very interested to see what you make of it. All right. Okay. I tell you what, I'm interested in in finding out is will Michael Goff Guff or whatever will he be Alfred, Michael yeah. Shared? Will he be um, Michael Shared in the genre thing? Because of all the co-stars, guest yeah. stars. In he's Blake Seven, he's, he's the like only a... one that I can think that could have come close to Michael Shared. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be he's interesting like, he's next like time, a isn't it? Price Michael Caine, isn't he? He appears in everything. He is. Yeah, and he's been in some dross yeah. as well, hasn't he? Yeah. So, and here he is in Volcano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Stay tuned, everybody. Um, yeah. Next week. It's Volcano, so see you all then. Right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, then. Bye.